Hello and welcome to the Moncast. A podcast where we watch an episode of Pokemon and Digimon and then talk about it. My name's Stevie. And I'm Sam. The score currently stands at 10-9 to Pokemon, and this time we are watching episode 20, The Earthquake of Metal Greymon and The Ghost of Maiden's Peak. We have a little bit of a demonstration this week because we did stuff on Twitter. That's gone with an O. Sent us a picture of a corgi with a Cubone mask on. Oh yeah, yeah, I loved it. I loved it. We just found out about Alolan form Marowak, by the way. Yes, we should talk about that as well. We've had the mushroom fairy thing. We've had the what looks like a sea cucumber that vomits a fist, which I quite like. And then we had Alolan Meowth and Marowak. And Alolan Raichu. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I didn't like that at first, but actually I quite like it. Its eyes look evil. It's kind of OP. It has, if you set up an electric field, a speed stat doubles. And it becomes literally the fastest Pokemon. And then it also gets a bonus to special attack. I think it, they're like 50% stronger. It's insane. It's insanely powerful. And it's a psychic type as well. I thought it'd be fairy because they seem to be throwing out a lot of fairies. Now it's a new type. But they've done... Alolan form Marowak looks cool. It's a ghost of fire type, which looks really interesting. I quite like it. It's got a symbol on its head. The mask's pointier. The bone club it has has got fire on each end and it's a dark gray almost okay it's basically just emo marowak yeah but they haven't shown us a cubone and on the slack we were talking saying how they showed it evolving from a regular cubone if it does i'm going to be super gutted because i like cubone cubone's my favorite pokemon and anything that involves like in the trading card game there's marowak break which is a card you can get it's really cool i really want to get one of those in pokemon go i still haven't caught a cubone normally I go and meet my partner when they finish work. And the one day I decided not to, they caught a Cubone in the coffee shop we normally go to and I was made of salt. <laughs> it's the one Pokemon I really want. And then to find out that there's a new form of Cubone, potentially, made me happy. And then there might not be a new form of Cubone, which is kind of okay. It means you can get Cubone in the game. I know there's going to be a lot of Pokemon you won't be able to get without trading over, but I'm, I'm happy that Cubone's going to be in the game. But I do want an Alolan form one. I think there might be Alolan forms in the wild of the basic Pokemon as well. Because it's like Alolan Vulpix. Because I saw that and Sandshrew. Sandshrew makes me happy as well. That's another. I like ground types. So these are now ground type Pokemon that aren't ground types, which makes me really happy. If you could pick a Pokemon that had an Alolan form, what would it be? Would it be Butterfree? Well, I don't know how Butterfree would adapt because it's already the, like, the perfect Pokemon. So how could it possibly improve? Actually, I'm pretty sure that there's somewhere. There's... I saw there's uh, a Chinese blog that released a lot of information about Sun and Moon. And a lot of the things that they've re- mentioned, it was a couple of weeks ago has come true for example the uh the new pokemon that have been revealed like the one that throws its guts up to fight uh the new marowak the new meowth and it's full of spoilers but i don't really want to mention them in case people are trying to avoid the game so spoilers for the next like 20 seconds 30 seconds so apparently there's alolan ratata and raticator dark type butterfree is bug and psychic abracadabra alakazam a fighting type Nidoking and Nidoqueen are poison fighting. Growlithe and Arcanine are water types. Doduo and Dodrio are fighter, fighting and flying. So those are the things that they've mentioned. And hopefully they are real things. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping because they sound quite cool. Especially the Doduo and Dodrio. If I can get Butterfree in one of the new games, I will be getting this Pokemon game. <laughs> I have to admit, since you've mentioned Butterfree a lot. Okay, some weird things have happened in the last couple of weeks. I quite like Butterfree now. It's because Butterfree's the best. I think Butterfree's really adorable. Also, I think I casually mentioned it after we stopped recording last week, but I really like Numamon. Why? I don't know, but I really like Numamon, and it's different types of Numamon. It's really cool. No, it's not. It is really cool. It's sludge. It is. It's a little sludge monster, but, you know, it's garbage. I'm garbage, you know. It's the booby prize. I, I like it. I quite like it. Yeah, what was the what was the message? We went off on a massive tangent from Cubone Corgi. So thank you, Connor, for the picture of the Cubone Corgi. It did make my day. Yes. And then Connor with an O also let us know when Sam uploaded the wrong thing last week. Last week, I don goofed. I accidentally uploaded just my side of the recording, wasn't it? You uploaded your recording of the episode. Because what I do is I record my side of the conversation and then 
sent it to Stevie to edit and I accidentally instead of I just finished editing the episode and I went to upload it and instead of uploading the episode I just uploaded my end of the conversation and thank you for the people on the internet that nicely let us know <laughs> I don't goof it's not happening again because I'll get told off yeah I've told him to put word recording in his files from now on <laughs> well they're in a separate folder but I, I went into the wrong folder by accident yeah but Connor did also say that they were quite excited when they thought it was a longer episode I think we could say is the reason why we've been so busy is it's Comic-Con in Worcester. They're doing the first Comic-Con. That's in England, by the way, if anybody wants to go to it or are going to it, we're going to be there, me and my partner. We've been getting ready for that and it's next Sunday. So I've been doing a lot of things and getting things sorted. So I haven't had time to record episodes as much as I can be. But I've been given a, a slight break this weekend because my partner basically said to me, stop doing so much stuff and go have a couple of days off. So I wanted to do a thing and I said to Stevie, do you want to record two episodes? And I think you exploded a little bit. So uh, we're recording two episodes. So next week, either Tuesday or whenever, you're going to get episode 21, which is going to be quite a long episode. It's going to be an episode, definitely. It definitely is going to be. I'm excited for it. There will be some discussion. And the last message we got was from the Lost in Translation on Twitter, where they got a screenshot of Pokemon Go with a tentacruel that they've called Sora's Hat. Good. It's Good to know that May is listening. May would listen to anything because May is a treasure. Okie dokie. Yep, that was quite a tangential administration. But we also did casually mention how there's going to be potentially from now on two episodes a week. Maybe not next week, but definitely the week after. Well, next week, if we don't manage to get two episodes, then you'll have more outtakes in between. But there's also, I think I might try and do something at Comic-Con. I'm going to try and find people who are into Pokemon or Digimon. I might ask them questions. Yeah, just make sure it's not like a full questionnaire. No, I've got I've got three questions, which are quite good. But I won't say what they are yet because it will spoil it. So hopefully, hopefully, especially because my partner's stall has got a lot of Pokemon stuff and I'm going to have a tiny little bit dedicated to Digimon, especially with whatever I'm wearing. I think I am going to cosplay as someone from Digimon. I think it's going to be good. I'm going to do a little Comic-Con special, which will be really bad sound quality as it will probably be just recorded from a microphone attached to my phone. Shall we start talking about the episode now? Yes, we can do that. The first episode we are watching this time is The Earthquake of Metal Greymon. The gang regroup in order to hatch a plan to save Sora from the hands of Datamon, who has started cloning her in an attempt to harness the power of the crest. As the gang fight to release her, they also have to use tactics to stall Etamon's attacks and keep him from getting to Datamon first. Once Sora is saved, Datamon opens up the core of Etamon's dark network, causing himself and Etamon to fall into its depths and be consumed, except for Etamon, who survives, and merges with the core to become a giant ball of dark cables with a monkey on top. Ty, confident with his abilities, heads off to fight him, causing Greymon to evolve into Metal Greymon. As they defeat Etamon, he opens a rift, causing himself, Ty, and Greymon to fall into it. Ty and the newly devolved Coromon wake up in the human world, with no explanation of how or why they got there. What did you like about this episode? I like the start. It starts off with there's no walking in the desert or doing something generic. They're all camping apart from Sora, obviously, who's not there. But they're recuperating, they're eating food around a campfire, and they're discussing battle tactics and ideas, whilst Izzy sat away from them, working his buns off on his laptop, just typing nonstop. And it shows how they're concerned for Sora's safety and that the, the big thing they've got to do now is find a plan, find a tactic that they can use because they know they're not strong enough to defeat Etamon. They know they can't beat him in a battle. And they even do that in this episode. They don't fight him per se, but they just stall him. But yeah, I, I just like that start where they're back through the tunnel in a safe place, eating food, talking about plans deciding what they're going to do to save Sora. Yeah, I liked that bit as well. It's a better opening than them walking in the desert, saying how it's too hot, and then Mimi saying oh, wish she wishes she can go to a shopping mall or something, or them being hungry. It must be good, because for once, Matt decides to speak some sense, instead of making bad jokes about the situation. Go in with whatever you liked. Okay, well, Etamon has a dressing gown, which was awesome. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I thought it was pretty cool. Etamon overall in this episode's great. Yeah, he's absolutely fantastic. I think it's the most we see of him. It's going to be the most we see of him because he's not there anymore, is he? Yeah, it's Etamon's final episode. Final episode of this arc. But yeah, Etamon has quite a few standout moments. Like, I liked it when they were all attacking him and he was easily dodging or deflecting all of their attacks. Especially when Togemon uses Chico Chico Bang Bang and he just catches them all and throws them back. It's really, really good. Because 
in that moment when there's three of them fighting him, you can tell that he's, you know, he's not trying that hard to stop them. Yeah, he could easily just overwhelm them. If he wanted to, and if he was serious, he could probably just wipe them all out in one or two shots, but he doesn't because he's silly. Yeah, he wants to put on a show. One of his strongest moves is his singing, which is amazing. But I suppose that he uses that to devolve them down, which completely wipes out any threat they would have to him. This is Trump card. Going back to the start, I like the little bit of TK saying, can I come too if I'm brave? I'm like, oh, TK, bless you. And I'm glad they bring him along, even though he is sort of on the sidelines with Mimi. It's still good that they value him enough after seeing what he can do with Andromon. Matt doesn't worry for his safety because he knows that he's got Andromon as his trump card that they can use. Except it's still Tokemon right now. Yeah, but, you know, in a pinch, he could probably do something amazing. No, he couldn't. TK can't do anything. Have you seen Tokemon's teeth? Tokemon's teeth aren't that powerful. The second Etamon gets near him, just send that little thing going at him. Also, I like when Sora wakes up and she's talking to Datamon and she just insults him. She's not scared at all. If, if I was in that situation where I'm bolted to a table and someone's cloning me, I wouldn't I wouldn't give sass, but Sora just gives sass. I'm like, you go, girl. Good for you. She's not meek. She's not afraid. And she's not worried for anything. She's just like... Just, I can't remember what she says, but it's something along the lines of just, you're an idiot. She does seem a bit like a damsel in distress. Yeah, but at least they don't make her cry or scream or go, oh, I hope my friends can help me. Instead, they just have her give an attitude. She does seem pretty panicked. She's not, like, in tears, just useless. She understands she's in a really bad situation, but she's not letting it get the best of her. It's still a bit damsel in distressy though. Well, yeah, because she is in distress. Yeah, but still, I don't like it. When they're just like, oh, this, let's put the girl in danger. Oh, no. I, I think what would have been really good is if Sora found her crest in that haphazardly really bad way that TK did. And TK got kidnapped because he's got the weakest Digimon right now. And if TK got cloned, I think that'd be really good. I think TK would have worked better than Sora in this. And they wouldn't have to have Sora, who always gets the short end of the stick in anything she's in. Sora tied up and needs to be rescued. Speaking of the rescue, I did like it that Ty, when he made it in and saved her, he didn't panic and start doing dumb things. He thought on his feet. Going back before that, though, we've got to talk about Copy Sora because that throws so much into the air. Like, there's so much to unpack with the concept of them being cloned. What if Sora died and her copy got to the human world? Strictly speaking, isn't that copy exactly the same as the original Sora. On a computer, it's literally one for one, exactly the same. So what if Sora died and the copy goes? Maybe the copy can live out Sora's life? I got the impression that the copy was just an empty shell. Like it copied the appearance of Sora, but nothing else. So like it had none of the personality or the memories or anything. It was just the body. I suppose. It did look hollow in the eyes. But imagine if multiple copies exist and they go to the human world or, you know, Technically, they're all Sora, so what would happen? I think it just it throws out so much stuff, and it was something really good, and I wished I wished they'd used it later on in the series, but it's a concept that they bring up for this one little bit and then gets thrown away. Yeah, Datamon just gets rid of it. It was probably just like a remote control thing, just like Datamon has control of it. He presses her shoe and she disappears. That's where the delete buttons are on human beings. Anything else you liked? I liked the events leading up to Etamon becoming Dark Network Ball plus Etamon. It very quickly spiraled out of control, and I liked Datamon's sort of desire for revenge leading to Etamon's downfall. Yeah, because like, obviously he's wired into the Dark Network, and he's been essentially controlling and powering the Dark Network, and now he wants to use it against Etamon. So he's quite happy to essentially put himself in a situation he's going to die from, just to kill Etamon out of spite, which is why he launches those little viruses into it, so it'll absorb everything. It was weird, and it wasn't really explained very well why it did what it did, but it, it did become like a vacuum and pull things in. Damon says something about it will suck in all the dark energy, which I assume means like everything from the dark network will just be pulled into it, which includes Etamon. I think the dark network's just like an extension of Etamon's powers that Datamon sort of administrated for. But anyway, just liked how Etamon guys come up and because of imprisoning Datamon. He did sort of put himself in a situation because he wanted to get Datamon because he annoyed him. But he did put himself in a situation where he was in a place where he could easily get hurt because Datamon's an ultimate as well. So he's almost on par. Etamon will be stronger than Datamon, but Datamon's 
quite crafty and has these things that he can do. For example, getting rid of the floor. Yeah, Datamon's more intelligent than Atomon was, which is why Datamon was in charge of the Dark Network and Atomon just sort of used it. Yeah, so Datamon outsmarted Atomon, which was cool. Two quick things. I like how there's no evolution sequences for Ikakumon or Togemon. And you could tell it's going to be a good episode generally when they cut out evolution sequences because they're not padding. There was one for Tentamon and there was one for Greymon. You know, they could have easily had taken out some of the episode content and added in two evolutions, which is about a minute worth of evolution sequence. But they didn't, which is good. Yeah, and the digivolutions are all pretty short. Yeah, yeah, there's short versions apart from the one to Metal Greymon, but that's obviously the debut, so it's not going to be short. I also like when Etamon uses this phrase, I'll cancel you like a bad sitcom. And I'm like, oh, that's so good. Because I can imagine, especially when he burst into the control room in uh, his dressing gown, I imagine him sat watching human sitcoms or Digimon sitcoms with a cup of coffee. Binge watching Friends. Yeah. I bet Joey Tribbiani's his favourite. Nah, I could see him like in Phoebe with her with her music tastes. And he's like, I can imagine him singing Smelly Cat. That would be great. What else did you like? I like how they're thinking tactically, especially how they know they can't beat Etamon. So when they're fighting him, they're not all going up against him. They're spacing each other out and using them as walls to stop him getting to them. They start off with three of them, which is Togemon, Ikakumon and Garurumon. And even then, they just get beaten quite easily by him because he, he does that song attack where uh, he devolves them. But then they have things where Kabuterumon goes and fights him and then Greymon goes and fights him and they're all going one by one to stop him getting to the kids as they get to Datamon. It's pretty much a race to get to Datamon. So the kids are rushing there to save Sora and Etamon's rushing there to destroy Datamon. But they want to get there first because if he gets there first, he'll quite easily destroy Sora. Got any more likes? I've got a fair few. Oh, well, my last like is just that Metal Greymon's cool. He's an iconic Digimon at this point. I think for me, the virus version is more iconic because he's in the designs for the original V-Pet. He's in Digimon World. He's in the card game. But ties Metal Greymon's cool as well. But I, yeah, I, I know what you mean, though. He is. He's kind of iconic because he shows you that there's extra things he can do you can't you don't just go up a stage you can go up another stage and it unlocks all this potential for if if ty can do it what can the others do because if if this one can do it and the crests do that then what all do all these other digimon turn into yeah and metal greymon's a very digimon digimon he is just get a, a monster and stop some more metal on it yeah it's just like let's get greymon make it bigger and give it a metal arm and chest and wings and now you get to spiel off all of your likes i like that ty has to go through the firewall I completely forgot to mention that moment. That is the thing that stopped him last time. The last obstacle he fell out was when his courage was tested and he failed. It was to get through a firewall. And this time he has to go through a firewall again, but he hasn't got the, okay, it's exactly there. So he has to use his courage to get through this firewall. And he does, and his crest starts glowing. And it's, that's when he's not finally developed, but it's it's definitely when the biggest transformation in him happens. And he's finally more confident with himself. And it shows because he obviously, he goes off and goes, and walks to fight against Etamon because he knows he's got this strength now, this confidence in himself that he can use to power up Greymon and he knows that he's got this potential of being able to beat him. The other thing I like is I like the second Sora gets the Digivice in her hand, Beomon evolves. It's just like Sora is so done and Beomon is so done with the situation and the first second they can evolve and get out of it, it just happens and it makes me really happy. And then I like Dark Network Etamon. It's really cool. Kind of scary because it's something like it's like Etamon's kind of big to the kids but small to the Digimon. And now he is this gigantic mass of wires and darkness meshed together with, with this Digimon. And he's really quite intimidating. And he looks a lot like Apocalymon. And it does the weird pulsing thing as well. I don't like the weird way it twitches and pulses. It's a bit creepy. Makes things spiral. They use a weird animation effect wherever his attacks land. It's like, ooh, swirly, swirly. I also like how the Digivice looks really unstable when he evolves into Metal Greymon. It's shaking quite violently. And I feel like it's used as a vessel to give power to your Digimon and maybe the higher boost of power makes it more risky and it's a lot more unstable to control which is why when they devolve back he devolves to Koromon because he uses that much energy. Also there's a bit I think it's when Ty's getting sucked into the portal it uses the ending music from the first episode the like cliffhanger episode music but it's the bit where it's the final shot of them falling off the cliff and it zooms out from that image. It's that music but they're using it when they get sucked into this portal and it's good and it leaves on a really good cliffhanger. I think the cliffhanger could have been better 
better if they'd cut it before they showed him in the real world. Actually, yeah, I think that'd be quite good if he's just gone and then it's just cold cuts. I was expecting it to like play out the music after the portal had closed and they were all just stood there like, whoa, what happened to Ty? But it carried on. It was just like, oh, Ty's in the real world. It did add a little bit, which which was okay. It added a bit of mystery of, oh, okay, it's really super high quality and also they're in the human world. But also, I think it would have fitted a lot nicer if you just don't know what's happened to him. And then, especially if you're watching it week by week and you've got till next Saturday morning to wait and you're like is he dead is he just dead now so i agree with that right i think that's me done for likes have you got any dislikes yes i've got a few you can go first okay well firstly even though matt doesn't make jokes when they're planning mimi does as usual i can't handle mimi's jokes in these situations i thought you were gonna say some of the jokes no i don't need to mention the jokes because they're just bad you just need to know that mimi made them Yes, Mimi made the jokes. Okay, yeah, I guess I get that they have to have jokes because it's a kid's cartoon and they want to have jokes put in there, but maybe not so much now when they're trying to save their friend from a giant evil monkey who can wipe them out really easily. Or from a tiny robot. Tiny manipulative robot. Speaking of Datamon, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> what What about Datamon doesn't make sense? Well, first of all, how did he get this crest when he's been trapped in the pyramid? Okay, because plot. Because plot, okay. Second of all, how does he know anything about the crest and the Digidestined when Etamon wiped all of his memory apart from the fight? Off the top of my head, my theory would be that because he's got the Dart Network, he ends up using the Dart Network to find the crest, and that's the one he finds, wherever it was originally hidden. And he ends up using the Dart Network to transport it to himself, and he has that and keeps it on himself and he's always got that leverage and then he finds out that there are kids finding these things and that's when he sends out the message because he, he he's already got his trap he's got his plan where he's got the floor that can be removed so if etamon does come into the room he can just plummet him into his own dark network which essentially datamon controls so the second one the second etamon's removed datamon could control this network and essentially take the iron throne <laughs> also where do the copy machines come from yeah, okay, I don't know where, like, surely Etamon would have seen them. I mean, how does Datamon even have a secret third pyramid under the pyramid or whatever that Etamon doesn't know about? Datamon's done an awful lot of planning and secret schemes from within this tiny prison, and he has lots of information that he shouldn't really have, considering Etamon supposedly beats his entire memory out of him. Like he has the hole in the floor, Datamon's also made holes in the plot just to help him succeed. He's just transcended beyond dimensions. He is aware that he is a scripted character in a really bad TV show. And he's decided that he's going to write some plot holes in for himself. Yeah, the only way it really makes sense is if he can make the Dark Network build things for him. And also retrieve information through the Dark Network. I can imagine he can get the information, but I think the building things would be a bit a bit much. We've seen cables move, but they've usually just had like cameras on the end. I don't think Etamon would have given him that much power. Datamon's a massive sort of plot hole. Okay, I, I've got a couple of things. One, and it's really nitpicky, but... There's a shot of Sora, copy Sora, and it's literally just at her butt height. And I'm like, okay, but you don't need to show this angle. Why this angle? They could have easily had shoulders and head of copy Sora looking at them. But no, it's it's her bum. Was it not like Datamon on the desk height? No, no, no. I'm pretty sure it's just a shot of her butt. And then you can see Sora in the background. Well, that's dumb. I feel like they must have chose that shot. And I don't know why they chose that shot. The only way I can justify them choosing that shot is to go... Oh look, it's her bum. It's exactly the same as the real Sora's butt. Except it's not really. Ha ha. So it's not gross and creepy because it's not a real girl. Speaking of Sora, the other thing I don't like is there's a bit where Sora says, I guess this is the end. And she says it so half-heartedly. She's just like, I guess this is the end. It's like, great, great Sora. 10 out of 10 for voice acting there. Get invested. Your turn. One other sort of minor plot hole thing, which is how on earth does Etamon not know that they're in a sphinx right next to the pyramid? They have like camera systems and everything set up, and pretty soon after the last episode they were just running away. Etamon should have seen them running to the sphinx. Especially because he's nearby, and he knows Datamon's nearby, maybe he would have had something that he could have used to increase his surveillance of the nearby area also there's nothing else in the nearby area so if they've run away the sphinx is literally the only place they can run to i suppose that makes sense yeah it's the worst hiding spot yeah yeah it kind of is that was my last plot hole thing i've got two more things one is tentamon calls metal Greymon's giga destroyer giga destroyer and i'm like no tentamon come on you should know all this stuff it's quite clearly giga destroyer because he even says giga destroyer it's not giga destroyer it could be could be giga destroyer 
or Juju Destroyer. The other one is just the animation quality, the CGI for Metal Greymon. It's aged so poorly. It's all right. It looks like the sort of stuff that a college-level animation student would do for a project. It's not the worst thing ever. No, it's not. It's not the worst, but it's like with the programs accessible to us nowadays, you could probably make that in an afternoon. But at the time, I bet it was like, whoa, that's really cool. It's 3D and it's all changing. It's brilliant. But now it's like, oh, I have an app that can do that. It's essentially what's happened is Greymon's got a new Snapchat filter, which is like metal. And then he puts himself in front of the filter and it like superimposes the metal over himself. Another thing I last dislike, last dislike, actually, I just remembered it, is the ending credits. I don't know if you watched them with yours, but they've started using the new credits. So it's got all the Ultimate Evolutions and it's got Kari in there and it's got Anja Woman and it's like, oh, no. Spoilers. It's all spoilers for the next couple episodes, well, the next arc. Yeah, but this, to be fair, this episode itself is called The Earthquake of Metal Greymon. <laughs> the whole episode title is a spoiler as well. I think I'm just a bit nitpicky that the fact that they're now using the spoilerific ending. The other thing that annoyed me was that Ty really is kind of stupid for putting his hand against his firewall when he knows nothing about it. Like, he doesn't know where the gap is. He doesn't even know if there is a gap. It's a completely different wall. Well, he's got to get through there somehow, and what he does is he uses his courage... To commit suicide. I might die, but I need to go and save Sora, so there's a fine line between courage and stupidity. But Izzy could have just come with him to make sure it was safe first. <laughs> Izzy doesn't need to be with Kabuterimon. Izzy could just go, okay, I'm 90% certain the next wall's a fake. That one line would have made it sure, just like, okay, Ty's like, this might not be fake, but I'm going to have to risk it anyway. The thing is, when Skull Greymon appeared... Ty put himself in danger for him to evolve, but he did it to save his friends. This time he's put himself on purpose in danger and risked his life to save his friends, so what's the difference? He wasn't showing courage for the evolution, he was showing courage to save Sora. Oh, okay, okay, that makes sense. So in the last one, he specifically went out to do it to evolve, in this one, he wasn't thinking about evolving. Yeah, this was genuine courage. Okay. It was stupid courage, but yeah, that was my last thing. Right, so what is your favourite character and thing? Etamon. We know now why Etamon's the best already. Yeah, I think Etamon's probably my favourite villain. Pretty powerful, always monkey. He's just really strong and he could kill them for no reason like well he could kill them without trying but he just doesn't and it makes sense for his personality that he doesn't see them as a threat he just sees them as this nuisance he's already got his empire he's already got his continent of server which he owns and rules and there are these little nuisances running around getting things and he just doesn't really he doesn't really care for them but they become an annoyance to him and he wants to stop them but at the same time, he's just doing stupid things and doing his own thing. And Any other comments on Etamon? He's been a pretty good villain throughout this whole arc, I thought. You see so little of him, but he's actually quite effective. Yeah, the only reason he's been not that successful is because he hasn't been actually around the Digidestin most of the time. Like The closest he's come has been the last couple episodes when he's been actually there. There's been a whole lot of interaction between Etamon and the kids' Digimon in battles through the past two episodes, where he's just wiped the floor with them eventually. He's very powerful, but he's got a very obvious weakness in that he's stupid, and also has a massive ego. I think he's great. He's a good villain. Okay, I quite like copy Sora because of the questions it, it raises. Questions like what happens if they go to the real world but also the questions like where did the copy machine come from? Somebody copied the original copy machines. Well I've had Etamon before and I didn't want to pick Etamon even though this is potentially his best episode. And I didn't want to pick Datamon because Datamon's just garbage. Well I picked Datamon last episode because he's a good side villain and adds a bit more depth to Etamon as well. Also like because Obviously, he's stealing other ultimate levels and using them for his own purposes. Like, he doesn't want to spend all his time monitoring his dark network. He just wants to go around and play music. Overall thoughts? It was a pretty good episode. Yeah, I got the same thing. It had a few flaws and plot holes, but apart from that, it's reasonably strong. There are definitely plot holes, and I didn't really think about them until you started mentioning them, but there they are. <laughs> there they are. But there's tactics and planning and character growth and it ends in a cliffhanger as well, which I quite like. But I like your version of the cliffhanger where it doesn't show where Ty is. I think that'd be fantastic. That would be much better cliffhanger. Oh well, better luck next time. The second episode we're watching is The Ghost of Maiden's Peak. After a long cruise, Ash and Co and Team Rocket tagging along arrive at a new town where the summer festival is taking place. Brock and James catch a glimpse of a beautiful young woman on the dock and become instantly infatuated with her. 
but are warned by an elderly woman not to go near her. Of course, they completely ignore her and wait overnight on the coast, only to be found in a nearby shack the next morning. The elderly woman sells them some gopro stickers, but they fail to do anything as Brock and James are dragged outside the next night by the ghost of Maiden's Peak, which is actually a ghastly. The ghastly defeats all of their Pokemon, but is forced to retreat as the end of the festival approaches. It turns out the ghost of Maiden's Peak is real, and the ghastly was just keeping the legend alive for her by pretending to be the ghost and causing trouble. What did you like about this episode? I loved the opening shot. I loved the opening music. What was the opening music like? Was it really ominous music? Okay. Because I've got a note saying this. the opening reminds me a little bit of Tim Burton style art. It's got a giant moon and it's got a side angle of, of some rock face. And it looks really cool. It's got that giant spike of rock in the sea and then it's got a cliff face. It's got a building all silhouetted against a giant moon. It looks really cool. I like the opening shot. It's good. And then the music as well. I don't remember the music, but you said it was quite good. I think it was quite good. Yeah, I really like some of the music in this episode. The opening shot is good, but it is a massive spoiler for the rest of the episode as well. It is? It shows the ghost turning into ghastly. Only briefly. It does that though, so it's like, oh, this ghost is just a ghastly. So you instantly know that the ghost isn't actually a ghost. Well, if you're watching this in order, it's one of the things I don't like. I'm going to jump to it now. The Who's That Pokemon? It was Ghastly. It's, we've not been told it's Ghastly yet. But also, that's the name of the Pokemon that's the problem. So it ruins all the suspense of saying, oh, what is this thing that they're fighting? By saying, who's that Pokemon? This is the thing. This is what they're fighting this episode. It ruins a lot of the suspense of the episode of what's this thing. Well, if you've heard of Ghastly before, you already know that it's a Ghastly. Just from the opening shot. But also, like, in the opening, Ghastly talks, and this is, apart from Meowth, the only other time we've seen a Pokemon that can talk. Yeah, I'm not sure how to feel about another talking Pokemon. I'm pretty sure we see Ghastly in other episodes. There's a couple, I think there's like two episodes I'm thinking of. And I don't think they talk in that in those episodes. Doesn't really make any sense. It's like a fine line between whether it's a Pokemon or an actual ghost, or it's just a ghost Pokemon, or it's confusing. Maybe the ghost used to be a Pokemon that the, the lady had, and then it died and became a ghost Pokemon, and it still goes back and cares for its trainer. We don't know. But anyway, back onto likes. I like when Meowth says we're at the end of our rope, because they're in the bucket thing being pulled by the ship. I like a good pun. There are quite a few puns that are on point in this episode. It got chuckles from me. Like, I liked it when... Brock says what a knockout and then Misty knocks him out. Yeah, I'm not a massive fan of Brock being a perv this episode. Yeah, but he gets knocked out for it, which is funny. But it's also James falling for someone as well, which made for an interesting sort of temporary alliance between Team Rocket and Ash and Co. Because they're both dealing with the same problem. There's one bit and there's a wall of people walk off the ship. And it's this solid wall of people that are like not really animated. And they just slide in and off the screen and just knocks, I think it's either James or Brock down. But they're just suddenly there. And then in like half a second, they're on screen, knocked everyone down and gone. And I'm like, that makes no sense. And it's so random that they're there. <laughs> I didn't even notice them. I just noticed Brock getting knocked out and laughing at that. Because like, haha, screw you, Brock. Do you remember in the last episode where you said uh, you hope that's the last of small old ladies? Well, it's not the same old lady. It's not the same one. They're not related this time, but there is another small old lady. And I was like, I've written in my notes that there's another small old lady and Stevie might not like this. It's still a bit annoying and have a few of the same character traits, like being a con artist, <laughs> stuff like that. But anyway, I liked it when Team Rocket were upstanding citizens unintentionally. They were? They were looking around for change because they wanted money, but then they get caught by the police and they're just like, oh, thanks for finding this change. We'll make sure it gets returned. They're like, yes, let's go. Yeah, it makes no sense, this rule of that they always have to file a report for any lost money, even a penny. Imagine if you live in that town and you're running late for work and you see a penny on the floor and you're freaking out and you're like, do I be a good citizen? Do I go and return this penny? I've got to go and fill out a form for this one P that's on the floor. It's like a nightmare town. You'd be so scared to lose money or find money because anytime you find any change on the floor, you've got to go to the police station and go and file like five forms about where you found it and how much you found i'll just leave it there if i'm honest but team rocket want the money because they're poor they must have run out of the funding from the big boss right any more likes <laughs> more music that i liked in this episode was the music when the painting was being revealed what someone's college level anime art project yeah but i really liked the music yeah it was quite good it was quite good it does look like something that you did art or like art and design at college and you wanted to do 
one of your projects was anime and you had to do like this anime woman it's a 2000 year old anime woman it is is. so much in this plot doesn't make sense it's like a 2000 year old sketch of an anime lady but it's also really well preserved because if you look at things from 2000 years ago which is essentially jesus times what have we got have we where's our anime girl from jesus times I demand a really good quality drawn anime picture of Jesus. I think the painting was new. No, no, no. The painting was 2,000 years old. Why was it only just being unveiled? They reveal it every year. They show it every year at the place because it's so old. They do it to to honour her. But it's supposed to be like a painting of what the rock girl looks like, but there wouldn't have been the rock girl yet 2,000 years ago. So why does the painting exist? Plot. Because plot. I did like that at least tried a ghost story. Even if it's really convoluted, confusing, and riddled with plot holes. Yeah, this episode was weird. Like, halfway through the episode, all that had happened was James and Brock were oogling a rock. Just like, ooh, there's a dead girl. It's a ghost. Which is a shame, because I do like good ghost stories. The thing is, right, the first half of the episode was really boring. There was, oh, there's a girl, there's a drawing of a girl, and they saw a ghost of a girl. Now they're in love, and it's she's the best person ever, because that's what happens when there are, like, paranormal women. All the men will fall in love with them and go and do their bidding. But then the second half of the episode, it turns into this really good episode of like Gastly's really OP considering it can turn into Pokemon it can fuse Pokemon it just does these really cool things and it's fantastic why does it want money <laughs> it leaves every summer festival for some reason it's like oh I can't handle sunshine apart from the summer festival if you go to the final bit of the episode where Gastly's talking to the maiden saying that I'm keeping the legend alive maybe he creates these fantastic events that happen on this festival yeah I, I get that bit I don't get why he wants money. Because he's a businessman. Pokemon don't spend money, and he's also a ghost. I don't know. Comedy and plot. I guess Pokemon writers just didn't think that Pokemon could do something out of the kindness of its heart alone for 2,000 years. They're like, no, it needs to make bank out of this, otherwise it just doesn't make sense. We've gotten back into things that are bad. (laughs) Everything's just riddled with bad things. I think it's because, honestly, I've got a lot of dislikes for this episode. It's not the best episode. Some of it's quite good, but I do feel like all the good bits are cocooned in bad bits. There are funny moments, but I can't really go, this little moment was funny, this little moment was funny, this little moment was funny, without describing what's happening around it and all the the things that aren't the best. Like, for example, one of the things I really like, if we want to talk about things we really like, the motto, because James isn't there and Jessie just starts doing the motto by herself and it makes me really happy. And then James does start joining in from within the shack and like carries on the motto so they can work out where he is. Yeah, it's so good. That's such a good bit. Like like that, those are really good bits. But, you know, there are also these really weird bits that are happening around it. I also like, like, straight after that bit, Brock and James hug, and it looks like they're about to smooch. And I'm like, <gasps> I ship them so much. But like I said, this is all from the second half of the episode. The first half is just this bland, they end up in a place, Brock sees a pretty woman and does what he does. And then there's this vague story of there's a woman who waited at a rock until she turned to stone. But how does that even happen when this rock formation forms a woman? I feel like maybe she died waiting and then maybe ghastly carved it. It's probably a monument that someone made. Maybe the guy actually came back and found out that she'd waited and built the monument in her name. And then he died. And they forgot about him. But the rock was still there. Who knows? Nobody knows. The ending's really confusing. The ghost of Maiden's Peak is real though, which I liked. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was quite good. Because if it was just Ghastly making up a story, it would have been like, eh, it's kind of, I get it, but also kind of convoluted and weird. But there being an actual ghost of Maiden's Peak who has this friend who is a, a ghost Pokemon who comes and helps keep this story alive. It's quite a tragic love story as well. Just like she waited forever and he never came back. It's like a tr- traditional story as well. You hear about these people who go off and fight in wars and, and their spouse is waiting for them and always waiting and waiting and waiting. A life wasted alone. It's quite sad. Okay, have you got any more likes? I've got a couple of them, and they're mostly from the second half of the episode. I like how Ash's solution to everything is still electrocute it using Pikachu, because Brock and James are possessed, and Ash is like, Pikachu, shock them now. But this, like, fixes James, but not Brock. I love the way Brock floats away, cross-legged towards this maiden. It's so good. <laughs> it's hilarious when they just start floating away. <laughs> Team Rocket have freebie ghost-proof stickers. 
anti-ghost stickers. They're not talismans, they're anti-ghost stickers. Anti-ghost stickers. Oh, oh dub. <laughs> they got ripped off, which is ironic because they're sticking on stickers. It's the jokes. That was my last like, really. Okay, I've got a couple more. I've got that little speech Jesse has about she just doesn't care about this woman who spent all her life waiting for her man to come home that she should have just gone on and moved on because there were other people out there and i was like good look at you jesse because they're like you know you don't need to wait for your man you can go out and just there's more out there why spend your entire life waiting for this one that doesn't come back it's like ah jesse who hurt you who hurt you jesse she has a bazooka to reinforce a statement as well she just blows a hole straight for the ghost. No, I quite like that little speech. It gives a little side to Jessie thinking that, you know, she doesn't have to spend her entire life waiting for her, ma- her man to come home. Maybe she gave up waiting for James to fall in love with her. Now it makes the relationship between them really sad because it's like, oh, Jessie's just given up on James ever falling for her. And now they're just colleagues forever. I can't believe you've got no more likes yet you completely missed out Venus Toys. It's DNA Digivolution ripoff. It is. I think it's great, though. I think it's really cool. I reckon everything that Gasly did was probably just illusions and mind games. I don't think it was actually physically making them, but it was just making things to scare them off. Venus Toys is really cool because it's just this thing, this, this vision that Gasly created. And he creates a lot of visions. He straight up tries to murder Charmander with a fire hydrant. With an illusion. We don't actually see him interact with anything, I think. I think it's mostly to scare. Yeah, he just scares them off. And then Misty uses religion power. It doesn't really work, though. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Because it's not a proper ghost, it's a Pokemon. She was confusing ghosts with vampires. I got a couple more things which are... I'm pretty sure in the dub, they're lying about the boats. Because I think the boats are put out on the water in memoriam of Pokemon that have died. In this, they say that it's something like uh, they do something with with the lights for something and it's like, I'm pretty sure it's they're in memoriam of Pokemon that have died, but I can't remember what the dub says. Something to do with the woman and her ghost story. <laughs> and then uh, my last like is I really like Misty's haircut at the end in the festival where she's got her hair down. Like You never really see her with her hair down or anything, but it's a really nice haircut. And then Ash is all of a sudden like, oh my god, <laughs> Misty's a girl! He's just sort of stunned, just like, wait a second, Misty's pretty. Any more likes? Nope. Now for dislikes. I've said a fair few of them at the moment. We've already mentioned Brock being a pervert is always annoying and just bad. We've already mentioned that the ghost story is convoluted and really confusing and doesn't make much sense. One thing I've got to mention, blast-proof doors on the Pokemon Center. Curfews in the Pokemon Center. Why? What happens if there's an after-hours emergency? What do you do? Maybe the Pokemon just dies and then you put a boat in the ocean for it. Why does this curfew even exist? I think in the Japanese version, they know that the spirit wanders and they try and get people to stay indoors so they don't get caught by the spirit. I think that's the only way I could really justify them putting blast doors in the Pokemon Center. But no, there's a curfew. They need to go to bed and they're going to seal off the Pokemon Center. Is this enforced for everyone? (laughs) I'm assuming so. I'm assuming it's a thing that they do every year at the festival is that the the maiden spirit wanders around and uh, they put seals on their doors and they go to sleep and just sleep out the night. Yeah, it's just entirely unexplained why it's there. And then the next day they have a festival about it. Let's see other things. I've mentioned pretty much everything already. I think I've got one more and it's really bad. What's that? You haven't got a ghost of a chance. Yes, I noticed that as well. For f- sake, Jesse. It's compulsory at this point. Every time there's a ghost in anything in Yu-Gi-Oh, they do it in... Probably Digimon at some point. I could see them doing that, but oh my god. Anytime there's a ghost... You don't stand the ghost of a chance. It's not a phrase. It is a phrase. It's not a good one. It should go away and stay in the 90s where it belongs. It's not funny the fifth time you've heard it. Nah, it shouldn't come back. It doesn't stand the ghost of a chance in 2016. Oh my god, well done. Uh, okay, that's the last thing I dislike. Because I've mentioned a fair few of them, but that's just the one that really bothers me. It's in capital letters and it's just, yeah, I've got the ghost of a chance. Final point is that this episode is filler, really. Yeah, it is quite filler It's sort of good filler, but it is still filler. <laughs> Like, I could tell from the start of the episode that nothing significant was going to happen. Well, when it gets to, you know, minute 10 and all they're doing is they are sat outside a shrine looking at a rock, oogling it. It's like, ah, stop. We've had episodes where at this point there's a big battle or, you know, Ash is now building up his will with Pikachu to fight a gym leader or something. You know, we've had big things happen. But no, all we've had is two people lusting over a piece of earth. That's like episode 14, like six episodes ago. Nothing's happened since episode 14. (laughs) Just been travelling for six episodes. We're kind of just on the tail end of the whole arc with the boat. They got on 
the same town episode 15 so from 15 to 20 is just essentially six episodes of filler then have we done everything for this episode i think so yep so what's your favorite thing i like that they tried a ghost story it's different for a pokemon episode i think they do another one later on i think that you'll enjoy a lot more if it's a better ghost story that'll be good kind of is ash kind of dies okay i'm not gonna say anymore but ash kind of dies cool what was your favorite thing I like Venus Dice. It reminds you of those poker fusions you can do on the web on that like poker fusion website. Yeah, and they must have made it up entirely themselves. Yeah, it's really cool. It's a poker fusion. It's not a proper Pokemon. It's it's a weird thing. I like it. Uh, overall thoughts? It's an okay filler episode. But it's it's interesting. Like the last couple of minutes are quite interesting and in seeing what Ghastly can do because Ghastly, Haunter, and Gengar are the only Ghost type Pokemon in the first generation. It's cool to see how powerful they are because they are unique. But yeah, it's okay for filler. The first half could have been shorter. It's only so many times you could see them get all gooey-eyed. I just thought it was okay. Or leaning into good to the tiniest bit. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, it, it gets points for the last couple of minutes. And when the mysteries explain that it is this ghastly who cares a lot for the maiden and wants to keep the maiden story alive, you know, that, that does give it some credit. But a lot of it beforehand, especially the first half, is just so meh. It's not good enough to be good. It's close, but it's not that good. <laughs> Now it's time for Mono a Mono, where we talk about the similarities and differences in these episodes. So, let's start with our Monsters of the Week. Okay, so I said earlier that I've already had Etamon, but I'm going to pick Etamon this time as a Monster of the Week. I think Adam is my favourite thing, but I like Etamon, and this is basically the only time I'm going to get to say that Etamon's my favourite thing of the week, because it's really powerful and... He's just an idiot who runs around doing whatever he wants and he's got this ego to himself and he enjoys his music so much and just wants the world to listen to his music. And the kids aren't a threat, they're just a nuisance that he wishes would just go away. I think it's more he wants to convert them to his fandom. (laughs) He just wants to make them his fans. Exactly. (laughs) Okay, yeah, I can see that. And... I'm going to say Ghastly. Like, the plot around him is dumb, but Ghastly is a cool Pokemon. Yeah, Ghastly is quite cool. He's definitely really powerful. Yeah, he does a whole lot of... Well, I think are illusions anyway, because I don't think they're actual physical manifestations. But he outsmarts all of Ash's Pokemon and Misty, and basically all of them, just by showing them the worst fears. You know, like, the Bogart from Harry Potter? It's called a Bogart. I don't know how it's pronounced. I love that. That sounds like such a British word, doesn't it? Just Bogart. It's a mixture between a bog and a yogurt. <laughs> bog and a yogurt. So Ghastly is basically like that. And he's also purple, and I like the colour purple. He's really cool. Haunter is one of my favourite Gen 1 Pokemon. Yeah, Haunter's cool as well. I prefer it to Gengar because it just looks more like a ghost. Yeah, Gengar's just sort of fat ghost man. Um, I don't know, I think a lot of people like Gengar, and Gengar's kind of cool, but I, just, I think I like the idea of this disembodied hands. They're creepier than just a purple blob. Yeah, Hunter's more menacing. It's more sharp in its design. Which episode do you think had the best storyline? Digimon, because there's a lot in that storyline. It comes from a cliffhanger and ends in a cliffhanger. So it's essentially the middle part of maybe an arc of three episodes. But it's really good. There's a lot packed into there. There's tactics. There's almost the conclusion of an arc, but it's not really because we're not sure what's happened to Ty and Greymon and Etamon. But with Pokemon, there was so little in the episode that they filled it up with oogling. Yeah, Pokemon's was just very thin and very confusing. Not much of it really made sense. It had good ideas. I mean, honestly, I didn't know that the ghastly was the old lady until the very end. Yeah, I thought the old woman was just sort of profiting off of it. But then it's the ghastly profiting off of it, and it's confusing. It gets points on that. And also the fact that the ghost is a real ghost. It's good. Yeah, but it's like all over the place. It's like, oh, there's not a real ghost. And then at the end, oh, wait, the ghost is real. It's just there's another ghost pretending to be the ghost. It's sort of all over the place. So yeah, I agree that Digimon's was better. And then similarities this is where it's going to get a bit different because we say similarities and then we'll probably mention one or two things but from now on we're going to try a new thing to hopefully inspire more conversation about similarities and and themes in the show for example my theme this my similarity this episode is fusions so we've got dark network metal etamon and we've had venus stories in this episode so there's a similarity and what we're going to do now is we can spend a little bit of time talking about all the fusions and alternate forms that are in both shows for example got ash greninja that's sort of what i'm talking about it's 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 not really a greninja it's it's other form of greninja but we have got i'm going to see if you know any of these we've got a giant jiggly 
Jigglypuff, Giant Alakazam, and Giant Gengar for one episode. Have you heard of those before? No. What about Crystal Onyx? No, never heard of that. What about the Island of Pink Pokemon? Okay. Have you heard of those before? No. Okay, I'm hoping these are in this arc. Because if not, we'll have to do episodes about them because they're really fascinating. It's really cool. So these are Pokemon that are weird forms of Pokemon. So like you wouldn't get a Crystal Onyx in the game. Maybe it's an Alolan form. We don't know. But Digimon's also got some. They've got Bio-Hybrids in Season 5. They aren't strictly Digimon. They look like Digimon. Like Spinomon's one of them. But it's called Bio-Spinomon. And it's got like a tank attached to it. They all have got tanks attached to them. We've got the Dark Tower Digimon. Which aren't strictly speaking Digimon. They're Digimon who are made of this Dark Towers and these energies. This Dark Tower energy. And you could say that potentially Chimeramon's one. Because it's a made Digimon. But it has got like official artwork. And it's in the games and stuff. Just, do you know of any more? No. Not that I could think of anyway. But that's my similarity this episode. Does that make sense? So like if we do things like this in each episode where we find a common theme and then we don't just talk about it for this one episode, we can talk about it for all of the episodes. I'm not sure if we're like branching too far out. (laughs) If we're branching out like throughout the entire series with similarities in one episode, it's it's a big stretch. Yeah, this one was kind of a big stretch because like it was kind of hard to find... I didn't want to just talk about Venus Stoice and, and Dark Network Edamon. I did kind of want to mention these other ones, so I wasn't sure if you'd know about them or not. But uh, the next episode, it, it's just stuff from the episode. So. Okay. Because there's questions, like I've, I've written questions for the next one. Because this was just the prototype version of this thing that I want to do. For episodes where there's a common theme or a common thing, we can take time to talk about that common thing a bit more. Because at the moment we're basically in this episode, we could have said, in this episode, there were fusions. Well, we can still mention stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I have some of those as well. But I think really what we just need to do is discuss them more. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm trying to do because we don't, we say we discuss similarities and differences, but we sometimes do, but we don't do it a lot. Yeah, few small similarities. We've got people being dragged into things. James and Brock were both dragged out of the shack towards the ghost. And Etamon and Datamon were both dragged into this massive black mass of cables. And also all of the other Digimon. Yeah. Did all of the Gazimon get sucked in as well? I hope not. Just like everyone in that pyramid's just gone. Oh, that'd be awful. I like the Gazimon. But like the Tyrannomon and Monochromon, they all got pulled in. I don't know how they got in there though, because it's inside the, the pyramid. Unless they got sucked through all of the tunnels and everything. I'm assuming that it pulled everything in from the surface and then there was an open space. Like they just fell through the top. I don't know. Another thing was that in both of them, they have to save their friends from something. Ty and the gang have to save Sora from Datamon. And Brock and James have to both be saved from this ghost that's entranced them. It's very different dangers. Like, Sora is very much in mortal danger. Because Brock and James are in danger of a life with a ghost. With a rock. A rock ghost. Any more similarities? Big explosions from rockets or bazookas. Oh yeah, because it's a harpoon torpedo and stuff. There's a lot of explosions in both of these. Just a straight-up bazooka in Pokemon. It's been an awful lot of weaponry in Pokemon, considering it's Pokemon. <laughs> I was expecting much less guns and explosions. Oh no, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of weaponry in Pokemon. Yeah, that's something that surprised me. I expected there to be more of that sort of stuff in Digimon with the attacks and things, but it's, Pokemon's got an awful lot of real weaponry in there, sort of tied <laughs> at the moment. Right, what about differences? Obviously, these episodes are quite different. One episode is filler, and then one episode is the middle of three episodes that are linked story-wise. And it's the end of an arc. Yeah, it's a significant episode in the series. It's it's probably one of the the biggest episodes, because it gives you the next step of evolution. Greymon happened in episode two, was it? So that's 18 episodes of Greymon, and now we've got the next step. It's really cool. It's really good. But also, like... The threat levels are completely different in this epi- in these episodes. Obviously, the danger, like you've said, people being in danger. James and Brock aren't really in mortal danger. They're just being taken by this lusty ghost. Um, but then Sora is in literal mortal danger. He was going to clone her and then get rid of her because she, he wouldn't need her anymore. I definitely feel like things are escalating more for the Digi destined than for ash and co yeah the digimon's danger is much more serious than pokemon's it's it's constant and it escalates like this escalated to such a point where it's got to this big crescendo of all these digimon got sucked into this portal and now ty etamon and greymon got pulled into this other portal and now they're in this completely new world uh, world that's my maybe it's the human world but in pokemon they're still looking for like he's still going to get badges and it's still plodding along doing his own thing it's it's 
not as tense this episode definitely it's got tense moments right entire cities being destroyed but even then it doesn't take it as seriously as digimon does they don't really care they've moved on now they're on the nearest boat it seems like overall digimon just the stakes are much higher all the time like the lives are at risk but pokemon's much more about being funny and entertaining in pokemon episodes are quite different like if you compare two episodes to each other for example the last one compared to this one where we had spooky ghosty stuff it's quite different and then in this episode of well in the last couple episodes of digimon we've had like etamon and datamon for the last episode in this episode and we've had etamon for a while but yeah like they are quite different there are a few things that are similar which are you know like fusions and stuff but but they're going in different directions i don't feel like pokemon's really going anywhere at the moment it's very slow in its progression yeah i could see what you mean it is sort of chasing its own tail and walking in circles like, it's still fun while it does it like, it's not boring to watch yeah, it is entertaining. It's definitely entertaining. I'm enjoying watching it. Like, because we're at the point now where this episode and onwards, I don't know the order. I don't know what comes next. After the arc with uh, the St. Anne, I'm not completely sure. So all these episodes now are new to me. Well, not new, but like I've watched them, but I don't know which episodes come in which order. So like, I know the next episode, but I don't I don't know what's going to happen after the next episode. Yeah, like, I know Digimon almost like the back of my hand, but Pokemon, I don't really know much. But anyway, I think we need to make a verdict i'm gonna say digimon i'm going to agree with you it's really good i know that this episode we can easily agree on digimon the next episode i'm not so sure so that actually makes it 10 all it's quite interesting though because can you tell when the biggest gap was between pokemon and digimon biggest gap has been three points when it was 10 7 to pokemon so pokemon hasn't had a point in the last three episodes because we had beauty on the beach which was awful tentacle and tentacruel which was just disappointing and the ghost maiden's peak which was a bit all over the place whereas digimon we've had the pixamon cometh which was a good character development episode and then we've had prisoner of pyramid and earthquake of metal Greymon, which have both been good episodes as well like digimon's hit its stride for a few episodes yeah i feel like we're getting to the point now where digimon's really picking up and getting to the the good parts of the story because the first ones are pretty basic and pretty simple where pokemon got a lot of a lead and now pokemon seems to be slowing down and getting into this this routine of plot episode couple of filler episodes plot episode couple of filler episodes whilst with digimon there don't seem to be that many filler episodes really it's just constantly changing (laughs) but it's the first time it's been tied in like 18 episodes did you ever come first no pokemon's always either been drawing or in the lead so far join us again next time but we'll be watching episode 21 home away from home and bye bye butterfree also known as the sad episodes you can subscribe to the moncast on soundcloud stitcher and itunes and if you'd like to leave an itunes review we'd be really grateful you can find our social media on facebook twitter tumblr and with the will forums if you search for the moncast or you can email us at the podcast at gmail.com just make sure not to attach any people make sure to contact us if you want anything mentioned on the show and we'll cover it in the next administration segment thanks for listening bye see ya have told me that i like numamon and etamon but i don't like numamon i'm a fan of garbage but are you a fan of mimi flirting with garbage no then the garbage needs to go mimi can go no <gasps> no 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 we can't get rid of mimi and just replace her with numamon we can replace all of them with numamon oh my god why they're all numamon Numa monsters are champions. You have to identify them by the gloves that they're wearing. Mm. (laughs) I'm so tempted now to just get like seven Numamon in a line and just put a crest around each of them. No, what you need to do is get them and then like there's a Numamon with Ty's hair. There's a (laughs) Numamon with Matt's hair. There's a Numamon with uh, TK's hat. There's a Numamon with with Sora's hat and gloves. There's a Numamon with Mimi's hat. There's a Numamon with Izzy's hair? No, it just has Izzy's laptop on its back. Joe's glasses. (laughs) I will make this happen. Oh, that sounds so good. This will be my next job after this. Yes. Numamon. It's all about the Numamon. (sighs) Honestly, this is so bad spelling. You spell so bad. So, 
uh, hatch a plan. I'll, shall I say it as it is? The gang regroup in order to hatch a plan to save Sora from the hands of Opt Datamon, who has started cloning He, Rin, and attempt to harness the power of the crest. As the gang fight to release her, those who also have to use tactics to stall Etamon's attacks to keep attacks with the C in the case spelt the wrong way around. Uh, Etamon's attacks and keeping from getting to Etamon first. Once Sora is saved, Datamon opens up a core of Etamon's dark network, causing himself an Etamon. Except Etamon survives and mages with the core to become a giant <laughs> ball of DAC cables with a monkey on top. Ty, confident when he's with his abilities, head off to fight him, <laughs> causing Grayon to evolve into Metal Grayon. <laughs> As they defrat Etamon, he opens a rift, causing himself. T and Grayon to fall into it. <laughs> T and the newly de- the newly developed Coromon wake up in the human world with no explanation of how or how they got there. Metal Grayon. Uh, T and Grayon. T Earl Grayon. Oh, it's really bad. And that's why uh-huh. I always have to proofread whatever I write. A million times. This has to be in the episode description that we need to talk about whether Etamon is like a fan of um Joey or Phoebe. Smelly cat. Smelly cat. Yeah. <laughs> what are they fin you? <laughs> that would be amazing. Uh how how we've got Etamon to link to friends. It's quite good. Sitcoms. <laughs> so no one told you life was gonna be this way. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm on the desk at the moment because my partner's at work till You're whenever. sitting on the desk. But, no, I'm sat in front of the... I'm not sat on the desk. <laughs> you said you were on the desk. Okay, I'm at the desk. I'm adjacent to the desk. I'm on the chair adjacent to the desk in front of the laptop. And I haven't hit myself on anything yet, so I'm feeling really proud of myself. Well done. There's a fine line between like bravery and stupidity. That's what I just what? said. <laughs> did you? you did? Yes. I literally just said it like a minute ago. Great minds think alike. Or you just stole my quote. Yes. Is this saying? Someone else. Is it? I'm pretty certain it is. Well, it should be. <laughs> if it's not already. 